And we're back. Hello and welcome to the Week 10 Recap Podcast of the Try Hard Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, I am Steven, with your host with the great intro, and with me is the co-host with the great DFS team, Brian. How are you doing today, Brian? Not too bad, actually. You know what? I am ready to record a podcast with you so we can put out this podcast because we like to podcast. All right. Podcast, podcast, podcast. <laughs> um, so, Brian, let's just quickly go over our DFS head-to-head. So, last week we did a DFS. Um, we previewed our DFS head-to-head uh, for this week, and Brian guaranteed a victory in both leagues that were that we play in, or in our head-to-head and then our little mini-league that we play in. And he couldn't come through. Uh, so, Brian, you scored 106 points. And I had 135, a whopping, commanding 135.9 points. Um, Brian, what happened? Uh, basically, from my end, I mean, Aaron Jones didn't produce. That hurt. And we recorded this before I realized how bad the weather was going to be uh, in Cleveland on Sunday. And I so therefore still had Duke Johnson in my lineup and definitely would have pivoted off him. Uh, most likely to to DeAndre Swift or Deontay Johnson, who were just about the same price, and either one would have gotten me an additional 20 points. So, you know, a little bad luck, but uh, I don't hate my lineup. For the most part, it, it worked out. Just wasn't, you know, quite there this week, but I look forward to better weeks in the future. So through so through 10 weeks, uh, Brian is up six to four, uh, six games to four, and we're coming into the final stretch here. It could be close. It could be close, Brian. Are you nervous? Not really, no. I mean, I, I won five weeks in a row. I, I feel like I've got this season down. I, again, I don't think my lineup was far off. Um, I just think got a little bit unlucky. And, you know, we'll, I'll, you know, learn and adapt. But Steve, let's let's talk about your lineup a little bit. As, as you were the winner, I, I guess, you know, for this week at least, we should have you give some advice. Uh, so first off, we both played Mike Davis, and he was pretty much a failure getting 8.4 points, which even at his 4K price tag wasn't enough. Do you regret playing him? Was he a bad play? I do regret playing him, actually. Um, but I don't think he was a bad play, because uh, you, you didn't predict 8 points, you know? And I just, you had to play him. Right for 4K, Christian McCaffrey. So like, if Alexander Man, I know the one week that Dalvin Cook was out, Alexander Madison was like seven thousand or something ridiculous, and still people were like, "Oh, you gotta play him, you gotta play him." Christian McCaffrey's out. Mike Davis is a known commodity. Like we know he can perform and get the workload, um, and that the and that the workload is a big part of the points, and he was 4K. So it's like. You didn't really have a choice. You just had to, you know, buck it up and take the loss. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And and to be clear, like in, in head-to-heads and in cash games, it wasn't a loss because everyone had him. He was just too too good of a value. I think the, the best way to illustrate that is he could have been 2K more. He could have been $6,000 on DraftKings, and he still would have been one of the top three or four best running back plays on the slate. So at 4K, he was just a no-brain play at this point, and let you pay up everywhere else. So 
yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it was a bad play. I wish he would have been around 6K, so I could have maybe gotten off of him in a bad matchup, but at 4K, you just weren't. Um, but going from, you know, something that didn't work for you to something that really, really did is you played both Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson despite not having Ben Roethlisberger really expecting, I think by your own admission, a ton from them. But they got you 47.9 combined points for just $11,000 of salary. You mentioned how you were planning to do that, hoping combined they would get you 30 points. They exceeded that. But given how well this has worked for you, is this something you're looking to do again, pairing two wide receivers and set in, in your cash game lineups from the same team instead of trying to guess which one is going to have the good week? Or is this a one-week thing that just happened to work out? So it happened to work out this week because they were both priced so low. Um, I think that moving forward, it really depends on where they're priced at. If they're both start to become like mini Godwin Evans, where they're both both priced relatively high and right next to each other, then probably not. But like the difference between Claypool and Johnson, I think was like seven hundred dollars, six seven hundred dollars, and that is a significant amount considering. I honestly, it's a it's a dart throw to me who's going to get the the more points. Uh, the most the most points out of the two, and I think both of them combined, especially for 11k, can can definitely get over 30 points. So if I can combine both of them next week for what, like 12k, I think I'd still do it. Um, it would be that's, tough. That's interesting you say that because next week the Pittsburgh Steelers play the Jacksonville Jaguars, who we all know are terrible on defense. And the combined cost of Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson will be exactly 12K. Well, there you go. I mean, there's a preview for you. I mean, there's, there's a good chance that I will play Deontay Johnson, Chase. The only interesting part is how well Juju did. And I was mainly considering Claypool and Johnson together uh, being a good, being um, a good matchup, a uh, good match together. Because Juju had been playing so poorly. If Juju is getting a significant amount of the target share, um, then I, I rethink it just a tiny bit. Um, I think this game just went with the game flow went to the wide receivers because James Conner didn't do anything. I think the game flow went to the wide receivers and that's why all of them put up points. I think moving forward, I'm hoping that it doesn't become like a, a Claypool-Juju, a Johnson-Juju game. And I'm hoping it stays like Claypool-Johnson. Yeah, I, I agree. We'll have to see. And yeah, we'll talk more about James Conner in a little bit. Uh, and then the last thing that was interesting, I thought, in your lineup is in, in 2020, in a season where you and I have both repeatedly said, like, the tight end position is terrible, you decided to play two tight ends in your lineup, going with Darren Waller and Evan Ingram. And I'll admit, I, I didn't mind that, given the two tight ends you were plugging in where, you know, you could each expect to get 10 targets. It didn't work out that way for you. Neither guy uh, came close to getting value with a combined about 10 points between the two of them. Do you regret doing that? Do you think that was a mistake? Or was this just a case of they were the best players at their price tag? I think it was a mistake. Um, I <sighs> Darren Waller should be getting more points. Evan Ingram should be getting more points. But I think it's just going to be one of those things where I'm just like, yeah, it was a mistake. I'm not going to do it again. And then next week, Evan Ingram gets 15 points and Darren Waller gets 20. You know, 
and they get the they get the points that they should get based on their target share um and i'll be like oh god and i it was a bit it was a mistake but i don't know if i'm gonna learn from it you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it is one of those hard ones because it is true like darren waller is routinely underpriced given his uh market share targets for the raiders um but i will say i i think going forward despite I agree with you. I'm going to be enticed to do what you did if if we can continue to get Darren Waller in the you know in the 5K range to you know under six just under 6K and Evan Ingram in the mid 4K range or someone like those two players at those price tags. I'll be enticed to play two tight ends, but I think I'm going to make sure just going to have a note to myself to never do it unless there's there's two situations where or one situation I would that requires two things. One, one of the tight ends is Travis Kelsey because he's been the only tight end with a true ceiling this year. And the other tight end is a punt play that is either cheaper than any decent punt wide receiver or actually projects better than any punt wide receiver. Because I think that's really the only way you succeed is with the two tight end strat, at least this season, is to make sure one of the guys has a huge ceiling and the other guy just is the super saver play of the week. That makes sense. Um, But... Aside from our head-to-head, what are some other like big takeaways you took? Big takeaways from DFS this week. I mean, one is just following up on what we were just talking about: is the tight end position truly is garbage. Not a single tight end on the entire slate scored more than thirteen point one fantasy points. So, it just again, just punt the position. Like, look for the four K and under guys, and just try to find the one you're most comfortable with. If you get a zero, that's fine. It, I just don't see anyone having a ceiling again unless it's Travis Kelsey or a healthy George Kittle, which we haven't seen all season. Uh, and then also, d- despite Alvin Kamara putting up a very good day for you, the, the running back position is still still pretty much a mess and is starting to look closer to the tight end position than I would have ever thought. Of of the top ten tight end or excuse me, of the top ten running backs on the main slate. Or just, you know, of the week in general. That included Naheem Hines, Ronald Jones, Rex Burkhead, Devontae Booker, and Malcolm Brown. Like, none of those guys are Who? on fantasy teams, for the most part, or starting. And, and, and none of them are really on the radar, save maybe Naheem Hines for DFS. And even then, Naheem Hines has always been questionable. And it was just basically like, they all scored two touchdowns, or in the case of Ronald Jones, had one 98-yard run that got 70% of his fantasy points on the week. So it's... It's just a bad position. I think I'm going to start looking down like one. I'm only playing two running backs in almost all my lineups going forward. I'm not going to try to play three, uh, you know, in, including the flex. And, and two, just find guys that are safe for like 20 points and, and, and just pray that they get there. Because it's just been it's been tough this season. and It's not getting any easier next week as a ton of the good teams are either on buy or um are playing in the primetime games and so won't be on the dfs slate and then moving on to the wide receivers for this week so some of the ones that have been doing well previously like keenan allen dk metcalf Devontae adams had pretty down weeks this week um keenan allen was on the road and he was not able to um he, he still got a decent amount of targets i mean significantly lower than his usual like 12 and up uh, amount targets per game and he only put up about 13 points and I, I I think I kind of felt this I think I kind of felt this going in like 
he has not played up to par on the road. And on, when he's on the road, it basically just depends on how many um, targets he gets. And if his targets are lower, his, his score is lower. But at home, he could have lower targets and still put up, you know, above 24 points. So I think we were due for this from Keenan Allen. I think um, he'll definitely have a bounce back game. But uh, I would be wary, again, of playing him on the road if he's priced up like he was last week. I know you, you don't think he's priced up, but based upon how he was doing on the road throughout this year, I think that he was priced up because he wouldn't have been able to 3x his salary. See, I, I'm going to have games. to go ahead and, and disagree with you. I, I like that you're trying to find patterns, trying to find things that you can use going forward, but I, I don't agree. I don't like ever really put any stock in home road splits um, unless they've been proven over kind of like multiple seasons or it's a scheme thing. For example, uh, for years, uh, it was don't play Ben Roethlisberger on the road. And it, it wasn't that he played poorly on the road. It was that the Steelers changed their game plan, uh, you know, almost to a 180 where at home they would pass a ton and on the road uh, they would just try to run all game and just burn the clock, get out with a low scoring victory. Uh, with wide receivers, you don't really see that. And, and if you look at Keenan Allen, I mean, one of the road games was Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor in week one. I think you can throw that out. And other than that, it's, I mean, his road games are against New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Denver, and Miami. Uh, while his home games are against Las Vegas, Jacksonville, Carolina, and Kansas City. I think it's safe to say overall that the defenses he's faced on the road have been way better than the ones he's faced at home. And I think that's the likely contributor to his score differential. I think the biggest takeaway from, from this game for him, uh, for me personally, is just Miami's defense, especially against the past, is is legit. Uh, and I know you've been saying that, Steve, and I think we have to be wary of them. I think we've seen Miami prove to be, uh, you know, a defense that will significantly reduce the the scoring output of wide receiver ones. And I think we've seen Los Angeles, the Rams, uh, do the same thing to all wide receivers as even after playing the Seahawks, Steve, they have yet to allow uh, a wide receiver to get a hundred yards yet this season. Speaking of the Seahawks, um, DK Metcalf looked like a boy amongst men uh, in that game. And Tyler Lockett, I don't care. I'm never, ever, ever playing Tyler Lockett in DFS. I will never draft Tyler Lockett in season long. I don't care. I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I mean, reliable. They, yeah they, I mean, they both definitely struggle, but what's weird with Lockett, because I think Metcalf, again, we can chalk it up to tough matchup, just a down game. I'm not going to fade Metcalf too much other than, you know, I don't view him like DeAndre Hopkins any longer. He's not on that level of reliability, uh, but he's still elite. Uh, but for Lockett, what's so strange is every year up to this season, he was basically the most reliable wide receiver in the NFL. He and Russ Wilson had this amazing connection, and Lockett just always found a way to get points. Uh, it was similar to like how Adam Thielen's usually been in his Viking career, although less so this season, uh, despite what he did to the Bears last night. And and so I'm going to have to kind of really think hard and look into what's going on with Tyler Lockett because it, it is just so strange that after you know, at least three seasons where he was just a solid, reliable contributor. He's been ridiculously up and down this season. I agree. I think he's, he's going to be a hard play in DFS going forward, but, but still given he's had two games of over 40 points, it makes it so in some weeks, he's probably going to break a slate 
you know, a couple more times this season. And you're going to have to consider that if you're going to totally fade him. But it, it is getting hard to lock him into your lineup, given how little he's produced in the other seven games. I can lock him out of my lineup, which is <laughs> what will be happening. Um, and then there's Devonte Adams. So he had 12 targets, which is good for Devonte Adams. He just didn't look good. The Packers didn't look good. Aaron Rodgers didn't look good. And even with MVS going off that game, I don't know like what the deal is with that, but um, he almost put up 19 points. And I think that this just proves that even when you're playing a bad team, like you can, uh, even when your team plays poorly, you can still start Devontae Adams. Like Devontae Adams didn't kill you. He kind of killed you, but he didn't kill you with 19 points. You're disappointed in that. And hopefully you made it up elsewhere. But um, him having like a terrible game, like I watched this game and he looked awful. And Aaron Rodgers looked awful. And the Packers looked awful. And still he managed 19 points. And I think that just goes to show you, you, you play him every week. He's, he's like Christian McCaffrey last year. You just play him every week because he's, he's going to go off. I mean, I don't know. I, I think he was a pretty big failure this week, given he cost 9K. He only 2X his salary. And so while the 18.6 number looks high and looks decent, I, I don't know. I just don't buy it. And like next week, he's going to be 8,600 against facing the Colts, who are a much better defense than what the Packers were playing this past Sunday against Jacksonville. I just have, I have a tough time playing any wide receiver over 8K just because they have to go crazy in order to pay off that salary. And even Devontae Adams, who's, I believe, leading the league in reception touchdowns this season, isn't as reliable of a touchdown scorer as the elite running backs. And so for me, it's just always going to be hard for me to play a wide receiver priced over 8K. And if Adams is or any wide receiver is 9K or thereabouts, I'm just going to fade them hard in DFS uh, each and every week just because the risk reward situation just isn't good enough for my taste. And there would have to be some extreme value, even more so than this past week that we had with Mike Davis in order for me to be comfortable playing a 9K wide receiver. So I get what you're saying. I mean, he certainly is a safe player, and in season long, it's clearly looking like he is far and away the best wide receiver in fantasy. Uh, I do want to touch on the MVS uh, tidbit you mentioned, because he had a huge day, almost 150 yards and a touchdown. I think it's kind of a fluke. He's gotten three touchdowns in the last two games, but the Packers should be getting Alan Lazard back in their next game. And once Lazard is back, I think MVS's role even diminishes further. And he's, he's just at best, like he's the second option without Lazard on a good passing attack. And so he gets some good fantasy days, but I don't really buy him. He's had ridiculous problems with drops uh, his entire career so far. And just hasn't been reliable at all. So I, I'm not buying on him, um, but I can see where it could be enticing to some people. All right. Uh, so those those are some people that underperformed. Let's talk about some people that overperformed uh, our projections. Uh, like, say, the GOAT, Tom Brady, with 31.84 points. So we had said previously, like, all right, get a you know, somewhat higher priced QB that has some running upside unless it's Justin Herbert and just lock them in, you know, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, um, and, and the, the like, and just lock them in. 
And then Tom Brady goes and scores 32 points. What he he's done that two of the last three games, right? Over 30 points. Yeah, I believe that's right. Is this is this for real? Like, is this a real thing? Just play Brady against a bad defense now? I mean, he wasn't even facing a bad defense. I don't think. I think that's where this is really unique of this season. Is is Brady hasn't been or, or Carolina hasn't been bad. Brady just destroyed them. I. I mean, Brady's fine, and I think he'll continue to be a fine option, but I kind of see this just like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger put up 32 points this past week. Uh, the good elite quarterbacks can have these big days. It, it's not that I don't think either one of us thinks, you know, no immobile older quarterback is ever going to have a good game the rest of the season. It's just that they're not as easy to predict, and so much more has to go right. Uh, for Tom Brady to get 30 points than a guy like Kyler Murray, who can have a pretty you know mediocre game overall against Buffalo, still top 30 points because he does so much with his legs. Uh, Tom Brady has to have 350 yards and four touchdowns to get to this point threshold, and really doesn't have a ceiling above it. So I like he was great. Definitely, if you played him in DFS or in your season long, you had a winning week. Uh, but I am going to stick with the running quarterback plan and kind of rely on those guys unless the pocket passer is, you know, really cheap like we've seen with guys like Joe Burrow a lot this season. Uh I I mostly agree with that. Um my my main concern about Brady is that he, he seems to have days where Oh, I have a quick question. Did Ronald Jones was that a handoff or a pass? It was a handoff. Okay. So in that case, that is impressive that Tom Brady put up 32 points with that 100-yard handoff. Um, <laughs> so my my concern with Brady is that he can be completely shut down in a game if you can get a little bit of pressure on him early on. And I just, I don't know that I would ever trust him in my lineup, whereas Ben Roethlisberger, like, I I feel, even if you do get pressure on him, knock him down a couple times early on, He's still going to put up a solid game, like 18 to 20 points, and then he'll have that ceiling like of 24 to maybe 28 points. Um, I know He's not going to get 32 points again. But um, he has that ceiling of 24 to 28 points, and if he's priced down in the you know, 6,000, 5,900 range, I would definitely think about it, but I don't think he'll ever be priced down there. Yeah. Um, moving on, Josh Jacobs, the, the godly Josh Jacobs, the king... Um, Wait, how many catches does he have so far this season? Does he have oh, like exactly. 40 catches? No, he doesn't have that many, but he, he's got a decent amount. He's getting 60 catches this season. That's what they said. But anyways, Josh Jacobs, 29.5. 29.6 points. Um, this is his second big game of the year. Is that right? Uh, yeah, his second really big game. Second really big game this season. And um I is this is this more a Denver thing or is this a like a trend? I, I feel like it's more of a Denver thing. Yeah, I mean he scored two touchdowns this week. The only times that he's actually topped twenty fantasy points this season is when he scored multiple touchdowns. He's done that three times. Um but you know, I think it's just more to show how rare running backs are like him this season of the top 13 running back scores this past week only two of them had more than 20 carries that was ronald jones and josh jacobs and so 
like Jacob's volume will keep him being a solid contributor. But yeah, you, you can see like even with him, running backs look more and more touchdown dependent. As again, Jacobs, who's been pretty good this season, has 23 receptions. So is on pace. I know you love that that term, Steve. He's on yes, pace you. for thank over you. 40 receptions. But he's only top 20 fantasy points three different times. And again, those, those are multiple touchdown games. So it's tough to get there for running backs this year if they're not insane pass catch, you know, if they're not the Alvin Kamara types or the Dalvin Cook types. So something to look at. But I do think Josh Jacobs is kind of going under the radar because he's one of the few guys actually getting the workload each and every week. So are you willing... Because Josh Jacobs, he's probably going to be somewhere like seventy one hundred next week. I can't. I haven't even checked. That's my guess. Seventy one hundred. Uh, uh, he's not on the main slate because they they oh. play Kansas City on Sunday night. So I don't know what he's going to be priced at, kind of like on DraftKings. But I would guess against Kansas City, he's going to be yeah in the high six k, sixty eight hundred, sixty nine hundred, somewhere around there. But yeah, and but like looking, it'd be tough look- to play him. Looking at players like Miles Sanders, who's somewhat similar to Josh Jacobs, where he gets that workload. Nick Chubb, similar to Josh Jacobs. They're around 7000 Are you willing to pay $7,000 for a player that is likely going to 2x their salary and maybe like has a 10% chance of 3xing their salary? Like, I don't... I'd rather punt. Not punt. I'd rather go with a much cheaper guy like that we're seeing... You know, Kalen Balage or um, Rex Burkhead, Ron, not Ronald Jones. He'd be expensive, but like someone who's just getting the role now and starting to perform than someone who has had it all year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I'd either rather pay up to the 9K range for like yeah, Dalvin exactly. Cook and Alvin Kamara and then, you know, play one of those guys on one cheap, you know, 5,500 running back or lower then try to get into these 7k running backs because again they're just not performing consistently and like you said the best weeks for most of these running backs is 20 points and even in 7k that's only 3x in your salary which is like that's fine for cash but that's not great for you in a tournament and so the, the upside just hasn't been there for anyone other than you know Aaron Jones, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara I think those are the only guys that have had you know truly monstrous weeks this season um and, you know, we can't can't play all those guys. So really, you got to pick one and, and then, you know, find some cheaper options. And then there is DeAndre Hopkins, who scored, you know, 30 points on one catch and otherwise would be a dud this week. <laughs> yeah, that was that that Hail Mary play was one of the weirdest feelings for me ever as that cost me hundreds of dollars. And if that catch would have gone to Christian Kirk, probably would have, you know, resulted in me making thousands and thousands of dollars to instead losing some money, not a ton, but losing some money. Uh, and so I, that made me really sad. But on the other hand, like that was one of the greatest plays I've seen in a long time. Um, like he went over three guys, caught a Hail Mary pass, Time expired after his team had gone down with 30 seconds left. Like, it was just crazy. I can't believe it happened. Uh, and so, like, you know, we got to just give him respect for that catch. But like you said, move on. You know, he he's really good. He's great. But his game wasn't going to look nearly the same if he hadn't made this one. 
how much was that? So what was like 13, 14 point play? Yeah, because that put him over a hundred yards and it was and it was over forty yards uh receiving for him. So yeah, so that was a fourteen point play right there. So he, he went from having a disappointing 11. game to having a great game. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Um so some players that didn't perform. Uh Russell Wilson. Uh I am not concerned with his two interceptions and no touchdowns. I know like the Rams are okay, right? They're they're good defense. Jared Goff is awful. Um but the when these two teams play each other, it's just weird. It just doesn't make sense. And I think that's what we saw is that one game of the year where the clearly the best team in the NFC West loses to a mediocre team even though the Rams were favored um loses to a mediocre team or a team they shouldn't have lost to because the nfc west is weird so i'm not concerned yeah i'm not either and, and like you said like i wouldn't be shocked if the next time these teams play each other it's 40 to 39 at the end yeah. of the game so yeah like you said weird game we called this we talked about this last week that it, it was totally possible this could be a 24 21 point game it ended up being like 23 12 but we we weren't far off and and so so yeah, I, I'm not concerned about Russell Wilson at all. I hope other people are so that maybe I can play Russell Wilson at a discount and at low ownership going forward. But, you know, he's one of the true elite quarterbacks this season and will continue to be so. And then there's James Conner. Um, this is who James Conner is, by the way. Um, most of the time, he is able to eke out a, a touchdown and eke out like a one long pass or something. And, and get his points up to like, you know, 16 to 20 points. Um, but he did not do that this, this game. And he ended up with 6.8 points. This is who James Conner is. He is not very good. He, he lucks his way into passable running back status. And I'm sorry to say it, Brian, but your homeboy is not a good player. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, he, he just hasn't been good. I think he's slid under the radar. A lot just because of how many injuries there have been at the running back position and how overall orally most running backs have played that that Connor's ability to just get you 13 to 16 points every week has made him look better than he is. He hasn't reached 18 points since week two, which is just crazy for a running back that generally gets, you know, 70% of the touches for his team. So, yeah, he's dis- he's going to be disappointing going forward. I think he's still a locked in RB one or RB two, because that's just what that position is this season. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think you can expect big, you know, weak winning games from him going forward. All right. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for uh, a sensationalizing uh, a situation? And anyways, Michael I'm Thomas, prepared. Michael Thomas, 4.7 points. I'm telling you right now, right now, trade what trade whatever you got. Trade Allen Robinson for Michael Thomas. Trade James Conner for Michael Thomas. Trade DeAndre Hopkins for Michael Thomas in your season long league. Because Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston, I I am all in. I am all in on Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas next week. Okay, see, you stole my thunder. I was just about, I was gonna, I was waiting for you to rag on Michael Thomas, say how terrible he is, and 
how you know he's been terrible in the you know the games he's actually played this season he's been bad and he's missed a bunch more and i was gonna come out and say yeah but drew Brees is gonna miss the next month or so and we get famous Jameis in there and and i totally agree like Jameis winston's gonna be on the field i think there's a great chance that this is the beginning of wonderful and amazing things for michael thomas uh just because winston's a bad nfl quarterback but he likes to throw the ball to his wide receivers deep down the field. And if he can just give some targets to Michael Thomas, I think Thomas is in line for a big increase in his output. I, I agree with you. My only hesitancy is I think we are going to see, we're going to have a Rorschach test of can Jameis win, like what, what wins out the saints offensive philosophy or Jameis Winston's tendencies. Because we know Winston's going to want to throw the ball down the field, throw it a bunch, and throw some you know, pick sixes. But we also know the Saints like to have their quarterback throw it uh, you know, five yards behind the line of scrimmage and let the receivers and running backs do all the work. So <laughs> we'll see how they you know, handle that going forward. But I, I certainly am on the side of agreeing with you. I think this is going to be good things for Michael Thomas. And I think stacking Thomas and Winston in DFS is going to be very interesting for the next few weeks. And also, okay, so I hear what you're saying, but here's the thing. New Orleans has a good defense. And so it, they're, they're going to be giving the ball back to Jameis after his interceptions. Like when he played in, um, in uh, Tampa, he was able to support both Godwin and Evans with five interceptions a game. And Tampa Bay's defense being not great but okay but now he's on a team with a good defense and he's on a team with one very good wide receiver and a couple of you know mediocre ones um i i think it's it it is bred for success like i don't care Jameis could throw five interceptions this first game but he'll also probably throw three touchdowns to michael thomas for 150 yards Yeah, and, and I don't want to get into it uh, too much right now. We'll go into it more when we do our Week 11 preview. But let's just say Jameis Winston is 5,900, and Michael Thomas is going to be 7,300 next week, and they're facing the Falcons. So I already kind of know a tournament <laughs> stack that I, I really want to do. Uh, we'll, we'll get on that going forward. But yeah, it sounds like we're both on the same page. Uh, okay, now, so we just spoke about Drew Brees uh, getting injured. He's sounds like i i wouldn't want to come back and play football after i heard his injury but um sounds like he'll be out a month maybe i might fire him take the rest of the year off but yeah that's what i was kind of thinking too i mean he's got apparently like five or more broken ribs on both sides of his rib cage he had a collapsed lung uh that happened in the middle of this past game and so Jameis Winston's going to be in now the, the Saints haven't given a timetable for Breeze yet but I know specifically with a collapsed lung that's a pretty serious injury and there's a lot of medical reasons why even if the lung is reinflated and you seem fine you don't want to rush back so I think Breeze will be out you know at least three weeks probably more the four to six week range and the Saints haven't technically said who's going to start but Jameis Winston's going to start like Sean Payton's not going to put um, Taysom Hill out there for 60 plays in the game. So it, it's going to be the Jameis Winston show, and it, it's going to be interesting to see what he does over the next uh, month, month and a half. Uh, then we got John Brown, who wasn't much of a factor. 
um, on the Bills. But he is out, so his, what, two, three targets a game. Um, they'll go to Diggs. No, I'm sorry. They'll go to Beasley, and Beasley will put up 30 points. And <laughs> uh, this, is, this is what we predicted, right? Uh, and Diggs will just get the same, you know, 9 to 12 targets for no touchdowns and 100 plus yards. Um, but Beasley will get all of the points from there. Is that correct? No, it's not, Steve. Why not? No, that, I actually think this helps uh, Stefan Diggs a lot because it goes from Stefan Diggs being uh, the 1A to a team with a 1B to just being the straight number one and Beasley being a distant second in most games. Yes, Beasley had a monstrous game against Arizona. But it seems that Arizona might not be very good against the slot, given what Tyler Lockett also did to the Cardinals. Uh, John Brown was actually having a pretty good season in the games in which he was healthy, but he's been banged up with some knee issues already. Uh, And I actually thought he re-injured that knee when I saw this play live, but it sounds like it's his ankle. So we'll see going forward. The the Bills have a bye this week, so he's got some time to rest. But if he misses time, um, I think it's actually a bigger uptick for Diggs than Beasley, but it does help them both. And then, no, this isn't true. Teddy, 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 Teddy Bridgewater. It's okay. Um, well, a moment of silence. Um, Teddy Bridgewater injured his knee. Um, PJ Walker is apparently his backup, but nobody cares. Uh, we are all praying for Teddy. Uh, to come back and take over that spot and lead his team to the playoffs. Um, We don't care about anything else. Is that correct, Brian? Actually, yes. Um, And and so I'll just say the the Panthers um, got some good news on Teddy when he, when he had his, his scans on Monday and it seemed like he wasn't, you know, terribly off. I don't, I don't think he had any major tears or anything like that. Uh, And they're quote unquote, hopeful that he'll play this week um but that's what they've been saying about christian mccaffrey for several weeks as well and mccaffrey has been out all but one game so we'll see i actually given his injury history i think teddy bridgewater is going to miss this game and like you said i know some people specifically people that watch the xfl are pretty high on pj walker because he was basically the mvp of that league in its short existence um but he's looked really bad exactly (laughs) but he's looked pretty bad in his limited time so far this season. I actually think if Bridgewater misses, I'm probably going to be 100% off this entire offense. Uh, Cause I just don't think Walker is a, is a true, you know, legit backup quarterback. I think he's going to really struggle. And without someone reliable like Teddy back there, I don't see how Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore or even Micah Davis can succeed. I might take I might think about taking a flyer on DJ Moore. Um just in case, you know, they're they're probably gonna try to make a statement by having PJ chuck a couple balls up, um, chuck a couple Hail Marys up, and maybe DJ Moore comes down with one. But um yeah, I, I mostly agree. I'm kinda concerned about Robbie Anderson in my season because of this. Yeah, so, and it'll be interesting. You're going to hear takes about it if he's out in DFS because the the Panthers play Detroit, uh, and and all their players are save for Mike Davis are are pretty cheap. So they'll be in play for some people, but I I think I'll just be fading them all. 
Ah, Teddy. 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 Need you to walk It'll over be that okay, bridge. Steve. That bridge It'll over troubled okay. water. All right. Uh, moving on. Thursday night preview. Ooh, this is a big one. Uh, I'm glad this isn't on the main slate because then people would be like, oh, you got to play Tyler Lockett. Um, Cardinals <laughs> at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are three and a half point favorites. The over under is 57 and a half points. Um, That's way too low, right? I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I bet this game goes to 70. It's the NFC West. So, like, their last game was really high scoring. So, it could be exceptionally low scoring. Um, so, I don't know. I'm not going to be playing any, like, uh, DFS for this game. So, I'm, I'm not. Maybe I'll watch it. I doubt it, though. There's probably going to be. You know, people are probably going to project no punting this game. Like, just score, 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 score. I'm going to project 10 plus punts. In this game, oh my god! It's, so all so it's going to be a seven to nine game. Yeah, I I I set the over and under. I know it's a two and a half punts this game. You know, the last game it was thirty seven thirty four. I think this game, barring you know some rainy bad weather in Seattle, this will be a similarly high scoring game, especially coming off a short week uh, after the Seahawks just lost. I will say, I think this might be a trap game for Arizona. You know, we'll see how well they do. Coming off this huge high where they win on a last-second Hail Mary and they have to get right back to work on, on, on Monday and prepare for a, a short week, it, it'll be interesting to see how they rebound. But I think this game is going to be really fun to watch and, you know, have a lot of fantasy goodness. So of, the, of that fantasy goodness, how much of it goes to, um, I think, the, the league's leading rusher, Kenyon Drake, uh, and how much of it goes to Chase Edmonds? I actually like Edmonds a little more in this game. I know uh, Drake out-touched him uh, in this past week, 17-11. to 11. But Seattle's been good against running backs, especially on the ground, and so I prefer Edmonds' role as the more of the pass-catching back. Uh, I don't think either one are going to be phenomenal in this game, That's though. the correct answer. So, you know, they're both flex plays at best. Low-end flex plays? No, average flex plays. Middling you know, flex play? 12, 12, 13 points somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, Tyler Lockett, last time these teams played, had 200 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, DK Metcalf had two catches and 23 yards. Why is it going to be reversed this game? You're not loco for Lockett? <laughs> I uh, I wonder how much he is. How much? How much is he for Thursday night's game? Is he- I you know what? I I can pull up the showdown slate. I haven't even. I don't even really look at the showdown slates until be like ninety five hundred. Oh, well, I mean, on on the single game slates, they're all priced up around there. Uh, the question is just how much is he in comparison, like to the quarterbacks and stuff. Uh, so let's see, Lockett is 9,400, Metcalf would be 10,200. So again, the pricing is different on, on the one-game slates. But that seems about right to me. I mean, Murray's the highest price player, and then it goes Murray for Murray, Wilson, Hopkins, Metcalf, Lockett. I think that's right, so he's priced correctly. But I agree with you, I actually prefer Metcalf in this game. Um, 
you know, talk about home road splits. His Metcalf's two best games have both been at home. So there's another, uh, you know, small sample size take for you, Steve. I love it. But Metcalf was a holding call away from having a pretty good game against Arizona last time, uh, where it would have been, I think, like a 60-yard touchdown in overtime would have made his day look a lot different. And I just don't see Tyler Lockett getting 20 targets again. So I actually like Metcalf a little bit more, but... I think both will be very good fantasy plays and both should be started in your season long leagues if you have them. And do you think, um, who won the last one? Seahawks did? Arizona did. Arizona did. Do you think they can pull it off again? No, give me Seattle at home. Uh, revenge game. Like I said, Arizona's coming off an emotional high. It, it can be tough for NFL teams to, to bounce back after a last second win. Uh, you know, they're going to want to take a couple like days a, to celebrate. Like a last second those. miracle? Yes, yes, that's exactly like what I was thinking of, but I didn't want to go <laughs> into that. Um. Oh, man. Ooh, uh, you know what? You know what? Give me the Cardinals. Give me the Cardinals on the road. Get the Seahawks. Ooh. I'm a believer in Kyler Murray to make a team. Oh, I am too go to overtime how many overtime games have they done have they had this year I feel like it's been a lot probably not i'm probably just making that up i i don't know but i mean i i, I don't i honestly have i feel no like idea, their games but... are close like arizona all of arizona's games even if they play garbage teams are like really close i could be wrong. yeah they seem to play down to the level of their opponents or up to the level of their opponents i agree maybe with that. maybe uh kyler murray is the next aaron Rodgers. You were playing down to your opponents. Could be. Hey, don't be. Aaron Rodgers has been really good this year, so I'm not going to trash talk Aaron Rodgers this year. He's he was bad before. He's been really good this season. Um, who who you got for MVP this year? Dalvin Cook or Aaron Rodgers? Kyler Murray. Dalvin Cook or Aaron Rodgers? Dalvin Cook. Yeah, duh. Do you think the Vikings are going to come back and make the playoffs? No, I was looking at this already. Their their schedules, the the Vikings are set up to like win their next three and look really good and trick us all into thinking they're a playoff team. And then they're going to play the Buccaneers, Bears, and Saints with the, the Saints and Buccaneers on their road. I think they find a way to lose all three of those games and steal all my hopes of the Vikings in the playoffs. But what if what if the Saints just start to tank and like the Vikings win out and they get the wild card? That's really what they need is either the Saints or the Buccaneers to start tanking. Yeah, or at, they need that and they need one of the NFC West teams to lose four games the rest of the way. So it'll be going to be close. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Uh that'll do it for us our our week 10 recap uh podcast. Uh you can check us out in a couple of days uh for our week 11 preview show and check out Brian at tryhardff on Twitter for the hottest DFS takes of the week. And I feel like I should say peace out or something. <laughs>